Today, we speak to Gordon Williams, owner of East Lake Farm, about creating a win-win leasing arrangement between generations. We chat about his lease arrangement, which gives him an income and a say in how the farm is run, while giving his leasees a greater return for their work. As property prices skyrocket, creating significant barriers to dynamic young farmers entering the market, and ageing farmers look for ways to continue living on productive, regeneratively managed land. On this season of Farming Together, our host Amanda Scott explores the ins and outs of a collaborative and creative solution that's quickly gaining momentum. Share farming on this season of Farming Together. I'd love to actually take our listeners back to to the beginning and I understand East Lake's been in your family since 1931. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the farm? Um, my, gra- my grandfather bought part of East Lake, about 1,700 acres or um, 1,700 hectares. He bought that in 1931. We've added to that. We now have about 1,200 hectares. We started pasture improvement in... Um, the 1950s, my father and grandfather started that in the 1950s. That's been an ongoing process and we don't do exactly what we did 50 years ago, obviously. That's changed and we've adapted ideas, not just adopted what the next person does. We've adapted ideas. With that um, pasture improvement situation across the farm, which has included um, fertiliser pastures, fencing, different or better stock management, and all the other things that go together of, of running a farm, we have increased from the 1950s. We used to run 2,500 sheep and 30, 40 head of cattle, not very well, and the sheep weren't very well either. Just through our management, pasture improvement, appropriate fertiliser and more subdivisions so we can manage the land better, we've raised our stocking rate by at least three times and our production by four times. So wow. it is a has been a long-term profitable operation we can sell that market that not that I've ever had to really market it to a potential lessee as a going concern that they can walk in bring their stock in and straight away make money and at the same time we can make um, what we feel others may not feel but we feel what we are making is an appropriate return and the lessee we share quite a lot of figures and the lessee makes um, what he sees or what they see is an appropriate return for their investment as well. Just remind where you're located. About 25 k's from Walka, uh, north of Walka, about 30 k's southeast of Urala. And if you draw a straight line between Armidale and Walka on a map, as the crow flies, we're about two thirds the way to Walka. So we're on um, Eastern Fall Country. We're in the top of the Maclay catchment. And it's all light country, all metasedimentary and granite country, naturally very poor country, sheep to the acre country if you're lucky. And I think what we do now is at this stage, long-term sustainable, and, uh, but things will change, you know, or do change as we, uh, as we move along. So moving along, your, your father had the farm? My father came back onto the farm after the Second World War and then... I came back onto the farm in around 1971. Then I took over the management in 1980 until 2000. And then in 2000, I was feeling pretty burnt out and needed a change. I was just about 50 and I'd been in the game for 30 years. So we spent a bit of time overseas, uh, 
coaching rugby for something different to do and leased the farm. And then we came back and decided that we could still afford to um, lease the farm and didn't have to actually work the farm. Um, we've got a self-managed super fund that's um, effectively has all come out of the farm anyway. So it hasn't sort of come from some uh, magical tree. At our age, and I'm just turned 70, we can still make sufficient income out of the farm to do the things we want to do. It takes pressure off me in terms of actually having to do the um, physical um, day-to-day work. Though fortunately, with our current lessee, I still have quite a bit of input with him. He's um, about the same age as our two boys. He's about 43, 44. I have input and plenty of discussions with him as to how many stock we should run. And he uses that experience of mine to, one, for me, it looks after my place for the long term. But in the shorter term, my advice and experience, which is, you know, over uh, 50 years, can help him and does help him make what we see collectively as a a good return for his investment in livestock and labour, his own labour and some hired labour, he can make a good return. And so it is a real, particularly with this arrangement, a a real win-win situation where I, I help him, he helps me, and we're both very happy. In our case, we need to make between one and a half and two percent and at the moment with land prices it's probably about one and a half percent return on our capital investment of our land what's the reasonable price for the land we make about one and a half percent return on capital but the thing that people sometimes forget is that or lessors forget is that they are also going to make substantial certainly at the moment capital gain if we make one and a half percent on our capital investment of the land plus we are making substantial capital gain every year and we have made over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year for the last 20 years in capital gain so that is substantial but the problem with capital gain is that capital gain is not cash if you need cash to live on And that's where situations become very individual. We don't need that capital gain cash to live on. We can accrue that and borrow against it or our kids could borrow against it or whatever. But it is just really important to realise that about 1.5%, maybe 2%, certainly in our situation, is all that we can expect to receive as payment for letting someone lease the farm. On the other side of the coin, and we discuss this quite openly with Joe and Steph, our um, lessees, and we share figures and returns and costs and all the rest of it and his costs of running this farm, they need to make around 15 to 30% per year on their invested working capital. Now, that might sound a lot, But if you consider someone has to put a lot of time and effort into the place, they're not going to do that for $20,000 a year and you can't expect them to. And so the time and effort that Joe and Steph put into the place and they have to employ people and they've got other property as well, it means that they are making a reasonable return for their labour plus the roughly 
maybe a million dollars they outlay every year in value of livestock, wages, fertiliser, lease payments, all the rest of it. So they need to be able to make that. And so we discuss that openly. And uh, that is just wonderful having that sort of arrangement that you can do that because everyone knows where they stand. From what we've learned in farming together, talking to all sorts of uh, farmers and landholders about collaboration is the importance of trust and mutuality and working together and transparency is a big part of that as well. So for me, what I hear is after many years of practice, you've kind of got it down fine-tuned in a way that works really well for you and the partners that you work with. But I'm interested to, to go back to when you first made the decision. As you say, you went away overseas, you leased the farm and you came back and you went, hang on, this lease thing could really work for us. Take me through your, I guess, your experiences at that time, how you first developed these leasing arrangements, what that looked like, what worked and what didn't. Right. Well, initially I had a, um, a good friend who became a very good friend who used to do our fertiliser spreading for us. He had a small property and he wanted to expand his operation and very uh, keen, enthusiastic guy. He's probably about 10 years younger than me and now. He wanted to expand his operation. He saw, and I offered him part of the farm to lease. We then had another family that we knew quite well in the um, general area who had moved away and had sold a place and were moving back into the area. And they leased the other two thirds and they were people we knew, people we trusted. We had a five-year arrangement with the um, the first lesser I took on, the guy who used to spread our fertiliser, and that worked wonderfully um, we were basically overseas for three and a half out of five years ring him up occasionally and the other family who leased two-thirds of the farm very trustworthy people they looked after the farm we would have plenty of discussion about what they were doing and those two leases the other one lasted for 10 years they worked really well we then had another lessee in between time that didn't work out and there was a number of reasons for that We didn't have the same um, philosophy behind managing stock or managing the land. Then because of that, some financial issues um, turned up, late payment and those sort of things. So that just didn't work out. So you terminate the lease and move on. And the neighbours came on, started leasing about seven or eight years ago. And then um, the current lessees were part of that family partnership they then took over the lease on their own behalf when they had a succession plan, what have you, reorganisation of their bigger family business. And they took on the lease plus the country next door, plus some other country. Things have just evolved. The arrangement we have now is really, for me, the best of both worlds because our current lessees, Joe and Steph, are very happy for me to have some involvement in the management And that relates very much to how many stock to run, roughly where to run them, maybe some management decisions around spelling some country or heavier grazing country, all those sorts of things, but particularly around stock numbers in various seasons. So I can have input there. So it means I can keep my hand in and feel as though I have, and I do have, and I trust our lessees very well, I have a fair bit of control about how the place is run. Now, 
obviously there's a trade-off in that, in that if I want some involvement, they need to see value in money or personal relationship or whatever in me being involved. And so that's a trade-off where both parties have to really understand where they're coming from, what they want to achieve. At the end of the day, and we've discussed this quite often, I have my place looked after, I have some involvement, but occasionally I have to realise I just need to step back. It's not all my place anymore. It's still my place, but I'm not actually running it. I give Joe quite a bit of free advice and I have no problem in doing that because that's a trade-off of being involved. But the other side of that is they have made, ever since they've been here, very, very good returns. And certainly talking to bank guys who I know, they are actually would be in the top 10 or 20% of people with returns for their livestock operation. They can do that on this place. They don't have to have millions of dollars or extra millions of dollars tied up in land. And so that's a collaboration that works really well. We both have our strengths. We use them for our advantage looking after the farm and we use them collectively for their advantage to actually make a very good return on their invested capital. Fantastic. It sounds to me like you you actually play a, a really critical role here. Obviously, there's, there's a sense of self-interest from both sides, but yep. you play a critical role and you, you play it well where you sort of act as a, as a mentor and a guide. I mean, you've been on this land for a long time. You've farmed a long time. You know the land. It sounds like you have a very strong interest to improve the land and leave it in a better way in which it came to you even but also it sounds like and some people may struggle with this more than you have realizing that it's also not just your land working in this partnership and as much as you may want to be able to make all the decisions sometimes you actually have to just step back a little bit has that been difficult for you Well, it was certainly with the third lessee we had when I could see things going pear-shaped in relation to his management being um, very different to mine and some other financial issues that turned up and those financial issues turned up just as I saw it simply because he he didn't understand how to manage this sort of country and manage livestock on it and that was a, a result of not understanding good management for this sort of country. I found it in that situation, quite hard to, well, very hard to step back. I'd say things as politely as I could and just went on the same old way. But with the first two lessees, because we were away for three and a half out of five years from um, 2001 onwards, we are in a position we had to step back. I'd bring them up every so often and have a bit of a chat and everything going okay. We'd come home for one or two or three months and then uh, head off again. They were people I regarded as friends, though having friends lease is not always going to work. And that's something that people also need to realise. But we were very, very fortunate in that period when we first started leasing. We had really good people who understood what I roughly wanted to achieve. They were pretty good land managers and things went well. Now I find, because as you mentioned I suppose I see myself a little bit in the mentor role of assisting, which I actually enjoy doing, 
because I can pass on some of that experience or actually enjoy being involved in the things I can be involved in. And I'm more than happy to step back, let Joe and Steph make the big decisions on um, invest in livestock and labour and different things to actually run the farm. And if I want to go away for three months, I can go away for three months. Mm. And I have absolutely no qualms. I'd probably ring him once a month and just see how things are going or send him an email. Or if he had a problem, he'd send me an email and say, you know, what am I going to do? Or, yeah. you know, what would you suggest? And two heads is to always me, better than one, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. And as long as they're thinking in roughly the same direction, and I think that's important that both parties need to really understand what each party needs to get out of the arrangement. How do you do that, Gordon? How do you go through that process? What does it look like? Has it looked like for you? Well, I think the really important thing is to just sit down and put your cards on the table. It is no good sitting down and, you know, skirting issues or whatever you need. Both parties need to put their cards on the table. And what I've done with all our lessees and with three out of four, it's worked out extremely well. I have said to them, and I've tried to be realistic up front and said, this is what we need from a leasing arrangement in terms of return, which we haven't set at an unrealistic level of four or 5% return because that's just completely unrealistic. They'd go broke or they'd never lease it. And I want the place looked after. Then we've sort of discussed to and fro. Basically, every lessee I've had has agreed to what we have sort of requested in terms of a lease. But I think a lot of that has started from, one, we wanted to step back. And so if we want to step back, the trade-off is we can't expect to be making 250000 or $300,000 a year profit out of the farm. We've got to share that profit. Both parties have to be realistic. And the other party, currently it works fantastically, he knows that I want the farm looked after. But he also knows he can ask me for advice. He also knows that if I think something's going wrong, I'll give him advice and he'll take that in the right way. And the advice and the part, and I see it as a partnership sort of arrangement, that has been of great benefit to both of us. So it's just a process of, first of all, be realistic, both parties, and sit down and talk about it. And if you can't come to a a mutual goodwill type arrangement, just both parties walk away because somewhere down the line it's going to end up in tears. It sounds like if there's alarm bells <clears throat> early, listen to them. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Another, listen to yeah. them and respond to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if there are issues occurring, you need to be aware of them, both parties, and both parties need to respond to what they see as issues and you can then hopefully solve the issue, mm. which in most cases you can if both parties are realistic. And I do want to ask some questions about the, the one leasing arrangement that didn't work out, but I will ask another question first, and it's one that we get asked a lot, which is about 
do I need a formal leasing arrangement? And if the answer is yes, how do I go about developing this? Because a lot of people come to us, they really don't quite know how to go about formalising this leasing arrangement. And so what's your experience been? Well, when we first set up our leases back in um, to the end of 2000, beginning of 2001, we went to a, our local solicitor and got some advice. At that stage, leasing arrangements for grazing type property weren't particularly common. And he adapted a um, commercial type or clauses out of a commercial type lease and some other ones to fit with the criteria that both parties wanted and were happy to, to sign. Now, obviously if you do that, and I heard of a case the other day where a solicitor wanted about $2,500 to um, do a lease, and this was just on a uh, 50 acre sort of large hobby farm. Now that to me seemed pretty exorbitant, but the key to it is, I believe it doesn't matter who it is, whether they're a friend, family, neighbour, someone who just walks in off the streets and looks genuine and, and wants to lease your farm, it is really important to have some form of formal, written, signed, witnessed lease arrangement. The other thing is if a lease is three years or longer, it has to be registered. That is part of, part of the law, I understand, uh, must have to do with fair trading or something. That has to be registered, and that only costs you $150 or $200, I think, but it has to be registered, even if it's a lease you write out on a piece of paper and sign and have witnessed. That lease has to be registered. That's my understanding, but people need to check on that. So always seek legal advice to start with. It might cost you a few dollars, but then you can go from there. What we've done with subsequent leases is I looked at the leasing arrangement details. I then adapted or wrote them out in a simpler form. I haven't got any legal training, but, you know, it's all pretty common sense, you know, what we're all agreeing to. And with the um, lessee that we had to terminate or we felt we needed to terminate, that lease that I'd put together that was signed and witnessed stood up in a tribunal you know it didn't have to go to a court of law we took it to a tribunal and came to an arrangement we both walked away and he paid some money and I walked away as well but that lease we had stood up in a court of law now I understand if a even if a handshake type agreement is at least witnessed that would also stand up in that sort of a tribunal but there's a lot of ifs and buts so have a written lease that each person needs to work out, each potential lessor needs to work out what are the key things that are important. And, you know, that's quite a detailed document. Well, I think it's quite detailed. It covers most things, but there may be things in it that some people feel are unnecessary. There may be other things that people need to put in it. But the key message is have a written, signed and witnessed agreement in relation to all things in relation to a lease. So that'll be land conditions, what the portions of land are, conditions, all that sort of thing. Exactly right. That's, that's some of the feedback that we've had as well. I'm interested in whether there was much negotiation 
in the process of developing that leasing arrangement or because you'd sort of formed your relationship and had such a good understanding of, of each other's sort of what was of value to each other in the beginning that it was actually a fairly straightforward process? Well, for me, it was pretty straightforward because we initially had the leases. We were pretty raw and green going into the initial leases. So we got legal advice and I can't even remember how much that cost us. It wasn't a fortune and they paid their share as well. We sort of agreed that they should pay their legal costs and we'd pay our legal costs of setting up leases, whatever the things were that we wanted. Well, the solicitor sort of put in what they thought were the important things, but we'd given them a list of things that were important to us and they just adapted them. And obviously the initial lessors sort of did the same. And the solicitor came up with this, you know, lease agreement that we're both happy to sign with. And I think in any lease, again, it really comes back to both parties need to be realistic in what they put into a lease, what they expect from a lease, and there has to be generally some give and take. You know, you can write anything and everything, and this is what our initial solicitor said, you can write anything and everything into a lease arrangement of any type, but if there is not genuine goodwill, understanding between the two parties, things can come unstuck. But that's the key thing. If there must be genuine goodwill. Trust and understanding. Yeah, between the two parties. Mm. And if you haven't got that, and I think particularly in a farming lease situation where the original farmer has to step back to whatever extent is agreed on, there has to be that understanding, that mutual trust, understanding, goodwill. Otherwise, you know, things can go wrong. Totally. So it sounds like the, the, the lease agreement is a really important component of a leasing arrangement as a sort of a reference guide of expectations, but also something to fall back in a situation if you do need to do things like termination. But for me, I'm hearing that really critical is about choosing the right partners to engage with in this type of initiative in the first place. And then so my my question, Gordon, would be what advice would you have for others about how to go about choosing the right partners if they want to do something like leasing? You need to look from both sides of the fence. The lessee needs to choose or discuss with and make a decision the right partner who owns the farmland. But at the same time, I need to discuss and choose and do some background research on the potential lessee. So it's not just a one-sided thing. And I think that's, again, where everyone involved has to be really realistic. It's not just about the lessor making 5% return on his land, because if he's doing that, the lessee's going to go broke and walk away and always going to try and run too many stock or degrade your farm and use up your capital value in your farm in terms of um, pastures or fertiliser or fertility or whatever to actually try and make ends meet. So it's about both parties do background research and both parties be realistic as to how much they're going to make. Now, what is realistic? 
will only be determined by parties then sitting down and working through. And in our case, being realistic was we will make one and a half, maybe 2% return on capital plus capital gain. The lessee being realistic and me looking at them being realistic and me being realistic about what they should make out of the arrangement is that they need to be able to make that roughly 15 or 20 or even 25 or 30 occasionally percent return. Everyone just has to be realistic. Realistic and transparent in that, what you can achieve and what you want to achieve together. Yeah, that transparency is really important because um, I've heard of sort of anecdotal sort of cases of farmer wanted $100,000 for his farm to lease it. And so the lessee said, well, have you ever made 100000 out of the farm? No, but that's what I need. <laughs> so a realistic amount might be for the farmer to get 40000 for leasing the farm. Whoever ran the farm, they would then make 60000 which would cover their labour and their capital outlay for the year and their risk and all the rest of it. Keeping um, it real. Yeah. Yep. No, that's great. That's great advice. What have you learnt that has surprised you the most about farming together? In one sense, I have been surprised or disappointed in the lessee that didn't work out that some people have a different ethical or business ethos to what I had. And I think that was more disappointing than surprising because you know you hear of things that go wrong in business I suppose that's been a disappointment but it's also if you look at the other three lessees we've had and particularly the the current lessee where I have more input into how the farm is run for mutual benefit not just his benefit not just my benefit for mutual benefit that if you do get the right person or family to lease your farm it probably does surprise me a little bit as to how well that sort of arrangement can work i think it's very encouraging that if you set guidelines expectations both parties realistic about them that the results for both parties can be really really good For more tools and resources to help you work collaboratively, head to farmingtogether.com.au or join the conversation on the Farming Together Program's Facebook page. You're listening to the Farming Together Podcast.